This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 13, Episode 12. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And today we're going to be covering a couple comics, but we have a ton of news and a great listener feedback as well. So let's get right into that. Briefly, sort of semi-Batman related, we had the newest Suicide Squad trailer. They've really done a lot of marketing for this film. Um, and it's working for me. I'm excited. Uh, did you guys see it? It does not look as dreadful as uh, some other trailers I've seen. <laughs> it looks fine. It looks fine. It looks a little more crude than I enjoy watching, but it's probably fine. I did not see it, but again, I'm not really interested in the movie. I didn't care for the first one. But I will also say the trailers for the first movie were also great, and we saw what we got in the end. So. <laughs> you you are not wrong there. But I, I will say this. Even though I'm not a huge James Gunn fan as a director... Um, he doesn't tend to collapse like David Ayer does. Like, I've seen a lot of David Ayer movies. And I, I'm not sure why, because I don't actually like them very much, but they're kind of all the same. James Gunn movies tend to have much better endings than David Ayer movies. So I would say we have a better chance of a good movie than uh, with the first Suicide Squad. Fans on the Discord will notice that I was completely wrong about solicits this week, uh, this month, and I've never been happier to be wrong. I did not have to stay up until three reading solicits. One would argue would never have to do that. I and didn't that have to, but I felt compelled to. <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of Batman news because September is uh, the month that Fear State starts. So. There's also a bunch of tie-in comics that are starting up, in addition to the Pennyworth series that starts in August. Uh, it ties into the prequel series uh, starring Alfred the Butler. Uh, there's also a Harley Quinn animated series tie-in comic. So this is going to be after Season 2 with Harley and Ivy being a couple, it looks like. So if you're a fan of the Harley Quinn animated series, this looks like it'll be quite fun. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. is starting, and that will probably spin out of Robin, since there's a ton of Deathstroke characters in Robin, and Joshua Williamson is writing both Robin and Deathstroke Inc., and like every other comic in DC. Batman Superman is ending in September. I Am Batman, the series that continues the adventures of Jace Fox, is um, getting his first official issue. There was a zero issue in August, which... I don't understand that, but apparently that's what they're doing. It is advertised as an ongoing series and not another mini series. So I will be curious to see 
if that's the case or not. Fear State, as I said, is starting, and um, even though August only had Catwoman and Harley Quinn tying in, all of the Bat titles are tying in to Fear State. And given how much better the titles are integrated uh, now than they were back in 2019, or no, sorry, 2020 with Joker War, I am very excited. Um, in Joker War, I would say that Detective Comics had one good tie-in and Catwoman had a good tie-in issue, but Nightwing and Batgirl were terrible tie-in issues. So I think that we're looking at something really good with Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Nightwing, and a couple other titles tying into Fear State. So I think it'll be a really exciting line-wide event, and I'll be curious to see how that goes. Um, my speculation was correct. They stopped double shipping Detective Comics in September, meaning that I think they were trying to make sure that Tamaki got to wrap up her storyline with Mr. Vile and Mr. Worth against Batman and Huntress. And so now she can tie into um, the Batman storyline without having to cut her storyline short. So I think that's good, even though, as Theo knows, I am not a fan of the double shipping. Batman, however, is going double shipping for at least three months. Um <laughs> With uh, which means that the Fear State event will be lasting three months. So that'll be an interesting choice, uh, not letting the event take up too much of a year. I wonder if they're having the Batman comics tie in with the tie-ins. That would be interesting to see. That would get me more motivated to actually read the tie-ins. <laughs> Especially I, if... I, like, well, like, so if I have to read Wonder Woman and Justice League... <laughs> which I don't want to, if Batman is like mentioning or tying in or, or having a continued story with those books, I'd be more inclined to read those books. I still, I still kind of miss the days of when a crossover like Bruce Wayne murderer was kind of like every issue was a chapter It's similar to what Superman did in the nineties where they had different creative teams on every book, but every book was actually a chapter in the ongoing story. Um, and they did this somewhat recently in uh, Robin War, which was interesting. Um, that wasn't a very successful event, though, so I don't know if it'll work. Um, or, or like, like No Man's Land, when you where you had to get the other books in yeah, order to see yeah. what was going on. Yeah, No Man's Land is another good example of the kind of crossover I'm talking about. There's also, I would say, there might be a good chance that this will work out well um, because James Tynan did the two Eternal series, and those had you know four to five writers all working together, and they rotated through different sections of the story. So I think I'm hoping that's kind of the approach they take, but we'll have to wait and see exactly how it works because that's not how Joker War worked. But Joker War was before James Tynan knew he was going to be able to be the big Batman writer for longer than 15 issues. So now that he knows he's on for at least another several years, maybe he'll be more able to get people to sort of have a TV room where everyone's working together on the same story rather than, oh, if you could sort of tie in here, it'll be okay, <clears throat> Nightwing and Batgirl. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Wonder Woman and Justice League uh, are just going back to single shipping. That uh, They are not tying in, just to clarify for my co-hosts. Um, okay. The Ghostmaker backups that James Tynan's been doing with Ricardo Ortiz are going to wrap up in August, and we're going to have a new backup series starring uh, Clown Hunter with uh, one of, I think, Theo and my new favorite writers, uh, Brandon Thomas. So I'm very excited about that because I like Clown Hunter, and I think Brandon Thomas can really do justice to him. 
Uh, what do you think about that, Theo? I'm just ready for outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I think it's I, I think it's gonna um, I think it's gonna spin out of this fear state thing because we know there's gonna be at least two series that come out of it, and one of them better be Batgirls. So, so let me let me let me say this. I, sometimes I wonder if these backup stories are trial trial runs of different writers. And you know, we kind of talked about this off uh, before recording, and I know we're going to cover it later. But it makes me wonder whether you know these backup stories or these creative teams on these more minor books are trial runs to see, you know, when the time comes for Tamaki and JT to step off the two main books to see who might pick up the reign. Well, that is an excellent question that I want to kind of deal with when we hit Greater Gotham, but it is directly connected to that, so keep that in mind. We have a Miracle Molly Secret Files one-shot, although these Secret Files one-shots are turning out to not necessarily be one-shots, but more like annuals, um, or uh, even maybe a pilot for ongoing series. So we'll have to see if Miracle Molly actually gets a one-shot, or if it's like the punchline one-shot, and it leads into some kind of ongoing content. And I can't tell you the last time Secret Files have been a Secret yeah, Files I mean. Book. I'm still mad that they're using the Secret Files name and they're not giving me any pinups or any vital <laughs> statistics. What's wrong with you, DC? Urban Legends is doing a fun thing with its seventh issue. It's wrapping up all its ongoing stories and is telling four future Batman stories. So there's going to be one in Batman 1 Million from the event by Grant Morrison, one from Future State, of course, and that seems to be starring Cassandra Kane. Um, I think one from Batman Beyond and one, I think another alternate future and i don't remember if it ties in but i i think that's a really cool idea for an anthology uh, a bunch of future batman stories um so that'll be fun is it yeah. the actual grant morrison story or just i mean they mention i think that it's the one million uh it's not by grant morrison though uh, okay that was my question yeah i'm pretty sure it's it's tying into that event um but I mean, we'll have to wait and see for most of it, because, of course, this is just solicitations, and they can lie. Um, we have a weird a weird little thing. Um, Batman Nightwatch slash Bat Tech, and this is a 25-cent comic. Now, last time they did that was with um, uh, Year of the Vinyl- Villain, and that was sort of a preview for forthcoming stuff. But this looks like kids' comics. Like uh, the Scooby Doo Batman crossover stuff. Well, so there's three of them that say they're 25 cents. So that's either a typo because it's Batman the World Special Edition, Batman Nightwatch, Bat Tech, and then Bat Night Fortnite Zero Point are all listed as 25 cents. Well, the Fortnite one <laughs> is going to be a promotional one because I think they're going to mm-hmm. have a sequel to the Fortnite series because it did so well. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm gonna think if if it's anything like they do for their um free comic book day book you know because typically dc will say yes yeah, 25 cent even though shops may give it away free because they're so cheap i wonder if that's gonna happen these these are promotional books like like 
Stephen Ian said, and shops may end up giving them away for, for free. It's just that that's what DC is advertising them as. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, those books tend to, they tend to buy a ton of them, and then they might sell them for 25 cents for the first couple months, but then they're like, get rid of these stupid oh, things. Get rid of them. And they're probably free because, do, do they have release dates on those? I think so. Because I haven't looked, but I, I keep forgetting, September is, is the Batman Day month, so I wonder if these are Yeah, books. they might be Batman Day books. These might be Batman Day books. That would make sense. But it's it's not advertised that way, so it's kind of confusing. That's DC. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. That's kind of what we try to do, is we could clarify for fans, because DC refuses to. <laughs> so we have a King Shark six-issue miniseries, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, shoot, Sean Sang, the defacer, who was Nightwing's girlfriend in Tim Seeley's run of Nightwing, is going to be a character in that. And uh, Tim Seeley is the writer of this miniseries, too. So. Oh, I thought you meant B was going to no, be in it No, for no, this is Sean Sang, the so better excited. girlfriend. Aww. He's talking about the first, not the last. For B. Is this the one he thought was pregnant? Yes. I think so, yeah. The blue-haired one. The blue-haired Poor one. The, the graffiti artist. <laughs> yes, she has graffiti powers. <laughs> she has uh what do you call it aerosol can jetpacks on her feet it's hilarious we finally get a girl that we we're okay with dick being with that's not named barbara gordon and what they do break him up damn UTC. <laughs> well maybe they'll finally get friggin dick and barbara together in the nightwing run maybe um we also have the halloween anthology this year is called are you afraid of dark side and i think that's actually kind of funny i i i'm kind of looking forward to this one i love the cover yeah it's dan hip who does a lot of teen titans go uh tie-in art and it's so cute it's got like damien telling a story a scary story at a campfire and the dark side behind him um and lastly, we've got Titans United by artist, uh, sorry, writer Kaven Scott, who's doing a lot of Star Wars work right now. Um, this is weird because it has Nightwing and Red Hood on the Teen Titans, and I guess we'll have to tit- find out. That's a weird combination. Isn't it supposed to like bring in alternate universe, alternate universe versions of Teen Titans? Is this the same book I'm thinking about? Maybe I don't know. I. I'm still confused about what they're trying to do with this title because is yeah. Connor Connor Kent back in universe? Because that looks like Connor. With Maybe, the but Connor is also in the Suicide Squad book going on right now. Oh, is he? Yeah. I haven't paid attention. Okay, so that wraps up our solicitations. It's kind of a fun. It's looking like a fun fall for us as Batman fans. An expensive one. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it does look like an expensive one, but I mean, it's not like the summer's less expensive with all these secret files. You can get three free books. <laughs> True. Um, okay. Now we're going to get to our reviews, starting with the Joker number four. Uh, this is written by James Tynan IV. Illustrated by Guillaume March and colored, of course, by Arif Prianto. All right. So Joker number four starts with Bane's daughter and her army from Santa Prisca and the cannibals attacking Joker just as Jim has found him uh, by accident. He was following clues, but Joker was a lot closer than he thought. We have some more flashbacks of 
uh, James Gordon narrating about how he has slowly lost the illusion that he's a good man, but he knows he's a man who fights evil. The conflict between Joker, the forces of these underground safe houses, um, Bane's daughter, and the cannibals continues to escalate, and it ends with most of everyone being killed, of course. Jim gets knocked out, and he wakes up with Joker basically ripping off the face of the lead cannibal. And he challenges Jim to answer the question of whether he's a good man or not. And Jim says, I'm not a good man, but I fight evil. And Joker laughs and says, well, I didn't do a day. So am I really the evil you're chasing? And then after finishing his gruesome work with the cannibal, he runs off and says that he's going to Europe. Jim gets free with the arrival of Bane's daughter, and she says to go home before the darkness consumes him. And that ends our first arc. Next issue is a flashback to the first time Jim and Joker meet, which was actually hinted at in this issue. My first question about the Joker, number four, is we've reached the end of our first arc. Jim and Joker have had their first confrontation in this series. Do you think that the Court of Owls will be the big bad of this run, or do you think Joker's going to end up being the big bad? Hmm. You mean like who did Arkham? More like, you know, the overall conflict. Will Joker end up being the character that they have to defeat, or will end up with him sort of being a third party? You know, they team up against a bigger bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, ew. Um... I mean, it happened in mm. frickin' metal. Ugh. <laughs> uh, there's probably, I mean, there's definitely a third party, because there's definitely a talent behind Barbara, uh, looming ominously, who will probably do nothing, um, if I had to guess. Uh, I think it would be funny if it wasn't so much a team-up, so much as uh, Joker goes up against the talons alone and everyone has cocktails and watches while it happens. I don't know. That'd be fun. I would also be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely someone else, but I'm hoping that Tanyan's a slightly cleverer writer than that, and that there's an uh, an aspect to this we haven't thought about. Because we don't really know why Ms. Bain is around, and we don't know how involved the cannibals are. So there's a bunch of threads to this that I don't, that I'm hoping are not just arbitrary, um, that they actually play a decent uh, role in this because it seems like Bane, Miss B- Miss Bane. Can I call her Miss Bane? What are we calling her? I mean, technically, her name is Vengeance, but that's kind of uh. an abstract name. Okay, well, Miss Vengeance. She seems to be a definitely not a one-dimensional character. She's she's kind of on the side of protecting uh, James Gordon, Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon. So I don't know. I think there's a lot more threads than just one big bad. I think there's something crazy going on. I would hope so for an ongoing. I think that's excellent. You you can't have a Joker book without Joker Joker being the big bad. Now, you know, he may not, you know, of course they may reveal who's responsible for a day and, you know, and behind the scenes with everything, you know, and that may be the court or it may be someone completely unbeknownst to us or completely new but you can't have a joker book without the joker being a big bad so despite 
how everything will come with regards to the A Day story plot. Uh, you, I, I can't see Joker not not going back to his true form, even as he, you know, hires Jim to help him find out who did A Day. Blah blah blah. I mean, it almost kind of reminds me of uh, Batman Europa when Joker and Batman had to team up to find the antidote because they were both poisoned only to find out that they were uh, their blood was each other's antidote and that just you know set Joker off because he get to stabby stabby at Batman but I, did, I, I can't see a Joker book not having Joker not being a big bad I think that's a very solid thought, too. I mean, the whole point of these first four issues is that Joker is the embodiment of evil. So having a bigger bad than the embodiment of evil is a little hard. Are you excited or interested in the flashback we're getting um, hinted at in this issue of Joker being in jail and Jim thinking he's just a normal criminal? Well, I would hope it has something to do with figuring things out or adding layers to this story if it's just a flashback for the sake of i don't know saving time filling space no i'm not excited but um i will say that uh, as as uh, ian is summarizing these books you know there's a lot of like jim's inner monologue that's getting that's getting skipped over and missed and so this is a, a, definitely a thoughtful book this is not just wham bam thank you action so i would hope that something as inane as a the first time they met <laughs> um, will add a depth to the story that we wouldn't otherwise get. Now, Theo, I hope you bring up um, something, but I don't want to influence you. But uh, this this concept made me think of something that maybe you will also remember. So, I don't know if I'm excited. And I'm only saying that because this issue compared to the first three kind of fell down a level as far as my enjoyment of it. Um, but hopefully that's a blip. But I don't know. I, I, first of all, it's a Joker book. So, of course, you know, it, it took a lot for me to be even interested in it. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been enjoying what JT has been doing, so it'll be interesting to see this this flashback issue and what it brings to the overall story, because I'm sure it's going to have something to do with it. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't see James Tynan um, wasting an entire issue just for a flashback. I mean, if you've read, you know, the way he's written the Eternal books, he would always have a flashback section. But that flashback section would always be laying groundwork for a later plot point. So I'm I'm convinced that this is going to be important. This made me really think of uh, the original Legends of the Dark Knight number 50, which was written by um, Denny O'Neill. And I want to say art by Bill Sienkiewicz, but it could have been Klaus Janssen. It was one of those two, I think. Actually, maybe it was Dennis Cohen. Sorry, it's, it's one of those really sketchy artists with really bold lines. Um, and it was the first time... <laughs> Batman met the Joker. And so I'm hoping that uh, Tynan ties it in because I know that's the exact kind of continuity stuff he loves to do. 
All right, we're going to um, skip the uh, the backup. It's uh, continuing, of course, the punchline story um, because for the last several months we really haven't had much to say about the backup. So we're going to move forward to our ratings. Uh, well, actually, first let's give a thumbs up, neutral, or thumbs down to the backup. Neutral. Uh, I'll keep it neutral. <laughs> I'm going to give it a thumbs up, as I usually do. So that being said, out of five uh, Vengeance of Bane masks, what do we want to give the Joker number four? Mm. I'm going to give it a three. I agree with Theo that it's not living up to the past few issues. It's by no means bad. And I'm sure it's adding to the story. And I also really hated the ripping the face off scene. That was... That was traumatizing just because I also thought it was Jim at first, and then I realized it wasn't Jim. But um, I was not a fan of the violence in this one. So three out of five. You're not alone because I also initially thought that that was Jim, that he had been sewed the face up and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, he didn't shave the beard off. And what did he do to poor Jim only to realize he was... uh, talking to Jim who's on the other side but mm-hmm. yeah I'm also gonna give it a three you know as I, as I mentioned it 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 went down a level compared to the first three so again not bad by any means but not as good as the first three so I will give it a three I will actually agree with my co-host that this is a step down, um, but that's partly because I think that those first three issues were of such a huge, high quality. Um, I mean, I, I don't usually give out the 4.5s, and I, I just love this series. So I'm actually I'm going to give this a 3.5 because I think this is significantly above average, but it doesn't have the same kind of really pushing the envelope forward that the the previous um issues have so it's it's not bad and it is sort of the end of the arc so he did have to do some wrapping up and he couldn't be quite as fresh with introducing new concepts but um i still think it's a top-notch series and it's still my favorite it's the series i look forward to most every month so um over on the website scott gave it a 4.5 um, that gives us an average of 3.5 out of 5 Vengeance of Bane masks. And a mode of 3. Most common score was 3. Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TBU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Detective Comics, number 1038. 
Factory One, The Neighborhood, Part 5, written by Mariko Tamaki, with art by Victor Bogdanovich. As Detective Comics began, the furious Mr. Words stares down Batman, determined to know the whereabouts of Bruce Wayne. Batman attempts to reason with the angered father, but fails. They go to blows before Mr. Wirt launches another RPG in the direction of the Dark Knight. Not far from the action, Lady Clayface, still in the form of Sarah Wirt, is concerned about her safety as Huntress tries to make her way to get her to safety. Huntress does not make it before Lady Clayface decides to leave the microcave. Batman and Mr. Wirt continue their battle, tearing up the sewers as they go. Mr. Wirt grabs Batman by his neck, promising to make the sewers his final resting place. But he's distracted, however, as Lady Clayface, still in the form of Sarah, emerges from the smoke. Mr. Wirt attempts to reach for his daughter, but fails as Lady Clayface dissolves before his eyes. This allows Batman to capture him and bring him to the GCPD for the destruction he caused. However, as quickly as Mr. Wirt was arrested, he is released to the surprise of many, including Mayor Nakano. Batman hides out at Huntress's place as they plan the next move. They conclude that the answer to the parasitic problem plaguing the city is within Mayor Nakano's office. As they plan the next move, which will not play, take place before nightfall, Oracle informs them of the newly released Mr. Wirt holding a press conference. He promises to hold Batman and Bruce Wayne accountable for the death of his daughter and says that they both will die. As Mr. Wirt leaves the press conference, he is approached by Hugh Vile, Nakano's assistant. He is a fan of Mr. Wirt's strength and determination and has an offer to make that will allow Mr. Wirt to get the justice he is looking for. After Mr. Wirt expresses an interest to hear more, Val makes a phone call. Mayor Nakano would like to see someone, and he promises that it will be an exclusive. Later that night, Deb Donovan walks into a dark office at City Hall, looking for the mayor or his assistant. She finds Val standing alone, waiting on her. Before she could turn to leave, Val grabs her. Bruce gets a text from Deb. She needs help. Knowing a trap is waiting on them, he and Huntress head to the source of the text, the sewers. As they run into the sewers, Mr. Word approaches from behind, waiting at the entrance. He eventually gets a call from Hugh Val. Everything is ready to go. Batman and Huntress find Deb tied up. There are explosive timers all around him. As Batman goes to free the tied-up news journalists, Huntress attempts to take out the bombs before they go off. Time is running out. Batman frees Deb, and the trio heads for the exit. As they reach the entrance, a timer reaches zero. Kaboom. All right, so first question for Detective Comics 1038. Do you think that Deb Donovan's backup story last issue 
made her danger feel more important this issue? Were you more invested in Batman saving her character because of that backup? Or do you think her appearance in the main story was enough? I think originally, when I read your question, I I would have said no. But I started thinking about it a bit more. And it definitely... It definitely reminded me of who she was. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't have quite remembered who she was. Um, but I think, even though it could have been shorter, and I'm not entirely sure it was the best way to, to tell that story, it does let you know, one, who she is. Two, that she is on the side of truth. And she is on the side of justice. And I did like that about her. And so you do kind of have this thing of, there's so few people... <laughs> that want that like Mr. Worth doesn't care about the truth. He's already he he he's picked his truth and now he's going after that gung-ho which I think is a big problem in today's world. You you pick the truth you think is is suits your emotions and and the the facts don't matter. And whoever you think that applies to you're probably right, but it also probably applies to you because we're all like that. But um anyway, that aside, <laughs> um, yes, I think it did help me. I didn't love it, but it did help me have her in the forefront of my mind and know why she's gone and to have motivation to have Bruce save her more than just any other ho-hum journalist. For me, it didn't, it didn't help me. It confirmed everything for me. Um, you know, when she first appeared, when they were at the block party, you know, I already had this sense that she was just a no nonsense type of journalist, type of reporter who would seek the truth. And I just think that the backup last issue confirmed that, you know, it doesn't matter who it is that she's talking about. She's just going to lay out the truth. So just as, you know, she mentioned the new mayor not being able to do much, you know, in, in the main story, when she made that first appearance, the, it, it was basically confirmed, you know, in, in the writing of the backup story. So it didn't necessarily help me feel more for her, this issue. It just confirmed my thoughts about her already, including the fact that she does have a drinking problem. I I am not sure myself. Um, I think that the story, definitely the backup story, especially Deb's interactions with various characters, did help me feel more invested in Batman saving her. But I don't know if I'd say it was necessary. So I I don't know. I I can't really answer my own question. So <laughs> apologies. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, it, it it didn't it didn't do anything to move me more in her direction. It it pretty much confirmed what I already thought about her. Yeah, and that's not bad. It's just I would have hoped that it might be a bit, you know, it might push something forward, something new that would sort of really grab our attention. What do you think of Hugh Vile as a villain with his weird vampire mouth? And um, what do you think his plan is? Oh, uh, well, well, I think he's icky. 
which is good. I mean, he's a villain, right? But he's also very good at hiding. Um, ugh, bugs inside people are gross. Go. Um, I think the gross factors there, the villainous and the being able to hide yourself, uh, which is one thing that makes the Court of Owls so scary, is they can blend into normal human society so easily. Um, um, what was your second question? Oh, it's his purpose? To kill all humans. I hope that's it. I, I, I think that Worth is adding enough of an interest element. I don't think Vile needs to be all that interesting. I'm okay with him just wanting to exterminate. That's fine with me. If he's a bug, that might be his only motivation anyway. I wish that cockroach was smart enough to tell us what he was thinking. World domination! I think that Hugh Vile is the most obvious bad guy name ever created. I mean, you, 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 in those initial, in those initial issues of the arc, you know, Nick Connor kept, kept referring to him just as Hugh, 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 Hugh. But then when you get his full name of Hugh Vile, I'm like, oh, this got to be the big bad. But um, what do I think his plan is? Uh, I think he is. Perhaps maybe trying to find another suitable host, maybe. I don't know. And and implanting the parasites into the other Gothamites or his way of seeing who's suitable. But I don't know. I I do want to know, did he reveal himself, Mr. Worth, when he was in the limo with him? Because there was that one panel where you saw him. With his eyes. With it, yeah, with his eyes glowing and blah blah blah. So I was, I, I wasn't sure if that was more of a flashback or if he actually revealed himself to Mister Word and perhaps even put him in some type of trance. I don't know. That just felt weird that it was placed there. That's a very interesting speculation. I um, I'm kind of on Steph's side here. I think he's kind of just a bug who wants to eat people. <laughs> Um, I think that Mr. Worth is a really interesting thematic kind of antagonist, semi-villain. Like, he's definitely not good, but he's not, he has, like, sympathetic motives, whereas, you know, Vile, unless you're sympathetic to, I just want to eat people, it's not nearly as uh, complicated. He just ate Mr. Worth, and he probably would have been full for a couple of issues, you know? (laughs) Mr. Worth is so huge. I was actually thinking, like, there's no, he, it's a good thing he's rich, because there's no way... He can walk into any store and buy clothes. Like, his hand was the size of Batman's entire, like, upper body. Like, there's just no way that the big and tall has clothes for him. (laughs) Uh, I think the eyes might be more for us, just in case there's some of us that haven't quite caught on that he's the the slimy man. Um, I think he may want to get... Worth, worth, eventually, but I think right now he's basically using Worth as a gun, and he's just pointing him in the direction that he wants to shoot. All right, so uh, let's move on to our backup story for Tech. The March of the Penguin, written by Megan Fitzmartin, art by Carl Morstert. The backup starts with things not going so well for Oswald Cobblepot. Despite being a kingpin of Gotham's underworld, the Bat family no longer sees him as a big fish, leaving him to the quips of the GCPD. 
Even his henchmen are starting to question whether it's worth to be in his worth it to be in his employ. The media think that he's lost his touch compared to the new breed of crime bosses in Gotham. Penguin has had enough. He take out his frustrations on those who have questioned him. It's time to show Gotham who he really is. He starts by returning that phone call from Mr. Word that he's been avoiding. Does this feel like a creative team you'd like to see on a Batgirls ongoing? Is this a creative team we'd like to see on a Batgirls? Yeah. Um, Tamaki wrote it? No, this was uh, Megan Fitzmartin and Carl Mostert. Um, the arts, I don't know. It's the same artist oh. who did Unkillables. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the colors. I don't know. Something was just a little not my style. It is not bad by any means. It's not off-putting or anything. It's just, it's almost too clean, if that makes any sense. I don't know. It was almost too clean for my for my taste, which is a weird thing to say. It's like, tr- don't try as hard. <laughs> um and the voices were okay. Obviously, the focus isn't really on the Batgirls, so it's a little hard to say if this is what I'd want in a Batgirls book. Um, but it wasn't bad. I didn't, like, adore it or love it or anything, but it was it was definitely not bad. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't enough for me to have quite an opinion about whether or not the, whether or not this team should be on Batgirls. But I will say that, for some reason, the art was slightly better than the Tamaki story from last issue. I don't I don't know why. But it just for some reason I don't know maybe because there was more of a page for him to actually draw. Um but it did seem a, a little bit better than the newspaper story that that appeared last issue. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't have an opinion on them being the Batgirls creative team. Not not with those few panels that we got. I mean, I've liked uh, what Megan Fitzmartin did in Robin Eternal, and I didn't really like what she did in Urban Legends. So I'm kind of torn in terms of her past work. So I, I probably wouldn't mind, but I also wouldn't be like super hyped because of the creative team alone, if that makes sense. Wait, what story did she do in Urban Legends? I don't know. She's doing the Tim Drake story. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we all kind of didn't like that one. No. <laughs> all right. So out of five parasites, what do we want to give um, Detective Comics 1038 as a whole? No. I'm doing Batarangs. I'm not doing Parasites. I'm sorry. I'm doing Parasites. Um, <laughs> um, I... <laughs> Comparing it to Joker, <laughs> a lot happens in this. Like, this is just action, action, but also, like, things are happening, alliances are being made, people are in danger, people's opinions are changed, people are getting arrested and set free. It's just crazy! And... Tamaki just just continues to impress me with her voice for every character and the stuff that's going on. Like, I don't... Like, three and a half seems not nice enough, and four seems too nice. So I I might have to do a 3.75 for this one. I gave her the four 
on the site when I did my review, I'm going to stick with that for right now. Again, Ian and I'll disagree, but tech is the best back book out there right now. And it, mm-hmm. it's, and you know, Batman is, is closing in behind. I, I, I just don't put Joker in, in the league with what Tamaki's doing, you know, and, and maybe it's because it's, it's, I, I can't see Joker lasting, you know, the, for the two, three years that JT said he has plans for it. But Tamaki right now just hasn't done any wrong with her story. And I think unlike what we're getting in Batman, she is getting more pages to tell the story via the backups. Whereas in Batman, you know, it's the main story and then you get something else. But by uh, by having these backups that feed in into the main story, it's just giving her more pages to to do a better plot. And it's just coming together so much better, so much better. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it at a four. I um, I do agree that Detective is uh, a stronger title than Batman right now. And that's not again. We say this every every episode, but it's it's not because we think Batman's weak. It's just we think that Detective is is just so strong right now. Um, I'm hovering between a three point five and a three point seven five as well. Um, I'm I'm starting to get very anxious about the ending because nailing endings is so hard. I've seen so many really great Detective Comics arcs start and then kind of stumble and fall on their face. So I am going to give this a three point seven five. Uh, that gives us a total score of 3.83 and a mode of 3.75. So that is... Wait a minute, what, 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 what did Dio give it on the site? You gave it a four. So two fours and hey, two... No, you can't have two fours. <laughs> that, that is cheating. <laughs> Unless you have a spurt personality, then we should respect that. I don't actually know what disassociative identity disorder therapy is supposed to be like. Um, oh, my ooh. therapist had me take a quiz. I'm normal. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> there is no normal. There normal is no normal. Is a that is true. On a dryer. Normal is a setting on a dryer that I ignore, so it's not even useful. All right, so we're going to move on to Greater Gotham. We have some pretty solid books over these two weeks, um, starting with the Catwoman Annual. This is the backstory of Father Valley. Turns out that he is uh, Jean-Paul Valley or Azrael's um, sort of surrogate brother. His father um, took him under his wing in the Order of St. Dumas. Uh, Thumbs up, neutral, or thumbs down? Is that a rating? Thumbs down. That would be a thumbs down. <laughs> I hate the valleys. Ugh, I hate Azrael. I hate his theology. I'm sure he makes splendid comics. I hate his theology, and I hate I hate everything about it. Thumbs down. Okay, so here's mine. Wee! Is that a is that, is that a thumbs up? That is I mean, a thumbs up. It is two thumbs up for me. 
I love what Grum V is doing. I really wish this could have been covered with a review, but this this was really good. And you know that story that that question was asked as to whether or not Father Valley had a tie in. So now we get the answer. But man, Grum V is just he is just so good with what he's doing with Catwoman. I, I this is way up, way way up. I'm also going to give it an enthusiastic thumbs up, although I do see what Steph is talking about. I, When Father Valley first showed up, I'm writing reviews of Catwoman on the site, I um, mentioned that I was concerned about Father Valley because the stereotype of the cliched religious fanatic is kind of a... It's not the most interesting of villains, but connecting him to the Order of St. Dumas actually really excites me because I think there are really rich mythology that Denny O'Neill created that hasn't been taken as much advantage of as I think they could. Uh, we talked a little bit about the techno cult of St. Dumas that we saw in the um, Let Them Live uh, unreleased stories of Nightwing. Um, and that was from Batman and Robin Eternal. But I prefer this more medieval um, assassins type of St. Dumas. And we saw this in Tynan's Detective Comics run with the Azrael arc. So I think... Um, this was really good. And I like the twist, you know, in the fact that, you know, Father Valley doesn't really consider himself a part of the order anymore. You know, he's, he's, he's on his own mission. Well, because the order tried to kill him. Of course. So, you know, I, I like that swerve. So we got two crazy religious cults out there now. Uh, one being a, a cult of one. But I, I like that word from Ram V. Yeah, very very good plotting, solid art. Um, Harley Quinn number four, um, thumbs up, neutral or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Abstain. <laughs> I'm also going to give a thumbs up. Every time I read this, I for some reason I delay this comic because there's so many good books that I feel like I'm sometimes swamped. But whenever I get my chance to catch up i'm just like wow this is really good it's got this energy <laughs> of harley and it's also got the moral quality that i i like that she's seeking redemption and she understands that it's actually helping people and then the villain of hugo strange it's good it's a good comic i loved that solomon grundy corrected her grammar that killed me i died laughing at that part <laughs> there, there's an awesome sense of humor yes all right batman superman number 19 I skimmed it and felt no motivation whatsoever to read it. Abstain. I feel like that's a thumbs down. Thumbs um, down. I didn't want to read it. I'm, I'm going to abstain as well. I have not read this title Mm-mm. since I reviewed it for the site. And when Dustin said we weren't going to read it anymore, I was like, yay. <laughs> I, I, I just could not get into it. And, and from what Others have said it hasn't been great since I dropped it, even with uh, Yang picking it up from uh, After Future State. So um, abstain. I'm going to give this a thumbs down. And this is partly my own fault because I went in with expectations and it had um, Batman and Superman and Old West gear on the cover. And I love the Justice Riders Elseworlds from the 90s. That's such a great story. Um, And I don't know if he's a part of it up until now but robin Wood is in it that kept me slightly tempted to keep skimming 
but it but it wasn't it, a good Robin. No. It wasn't like a well no. done Robin, and no. it was just that the Wild West stuff was only for like three pages of the whole comic. The rest was mm-hmm. weird, weird techno villain mm-hmm. alternate universe stuff, and I just. Mm-hmm. I'm not enjoying this title. Uh, I know some people are, and uh, for them, I am sad it's ending, but I I don't understand the point of this book. Batman Reptilian number one, the new black label book by Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp. I skimmed it and decided it wasn't for me, so another abstain slash thumbs down. It is a neutral for me. I love the art, but the story is kind (laughs) of... (laughs) <laughs> that is exactly my reaction. It's such beautiful art, but the story is just like whatever. All right, Robin number three. I loved Connor. No, Hawk. What's his name? Yeah, Connor Hawkman. Hawk. Connor Hawk. Okay. <laughs> Why is it not Connor? Connor. Because he is the bastard child of Oliver Queen. The bastard child. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, No, I love their little bromance, and they're talking about their father's type. That was cute. And the (laughs) surprise ending and the rescue of Robin. He didn't have to die a second time. Um, So I'm actually very curious to see where this book is going, because someone shows up at the end that probably isn't supposed to be there. Thumbs up. So I'm assuming that's a thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shocked if we don't all give this a thumbs up. Theo, don't let us down. <laughs> thumbs down. <gasps> no, this is definitely a thumbs up. I absolutely loved the connection that Damien and, and kind of had, you know, going back and forth between their fathers, you know, Oliver having a thing for fishnets and fishnets <laughs> and Bruce having the thing for leather and whips. So <laughs> I absolutely love that connection. I also love the little snipe that uh, Williamson did at uh, the name that shall not be spoken from my lips. <laughs> Saying, you know, Just yeah, you wait. Um, he's going to get detective and then what are you going to do? <laughs> it, it, uh, no, no. Are you serious? No, mm-hmm. I don't have any idea what's going to happen. No, they wouldn't do that. They, they wouldn't. might. They wouldn't. You know what else but, I really liked was that um, all the baddies start talking about how badly Batman had like beaten them up, and so how like capable Robin should be of that kind of violence. It really kind of you, you could see Damien like retreat into himself and like really start to rethink things. I thought that was actually very interesting. Well, see, and I wasn't sure whether or not. It was because of that, or if he just was done because of the fact that they were no longer talking about him. You know, at first they were like, "Oh yeah, dude, you, you, you're pretty damn cool." You know, after he did the uh, the knife trick, and then he started talking about Batman. It was like, "Okay, the focus is no longer on me. I'm out." <laughs> I was wondering if it was maybe like a combination of both because it does look like he's like, I don't know, super sad or like thinking. And so it just made me think that maybe he's he's rethinking how Batman does things. I don't know. But yeah, for me, thumbs up. This was a great issue. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this series thus far. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up for me, of course, as well. This is a very, very good series. Um, and if, and if this is a, a redemption story, 
Williamson is doing a, a great job of setting it up. Mm-hmm. It has to be a redemption story. You can't I mean, have I, a. Run. I don't see how it can't be. I mean, this is clearly setting him on the road. If he doesn't end up back in the in the red and green with the hood, I'm going to be disappointed. And this is sort of a, a last minute uh, thing that we just um, I just added. Uh, there is a short story in the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary Super Spectacular by Larry O'Neill, the son of Denny O'Neill, and it's a wordless story of Denny O'Neill's life and. I they've posted it on the DC Nation Twitter. You can just read it. Just six pages by artist Jorge Fornes and writer Larry O'Neill. It's powerful. It's really powerful, showing Denny's creativity and his life and his struggles. And I was, I was honestly crying when I finished it. It was really good. I had to read it twice, first time just to kind of understand what was going on. And I, yes, I as well started tearing up the second time I read through it. Yeah, very much. I did not get a chance to read it, but I'm kind of afraid to do so because I don't want to cry either. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good. A good. It's good cry. It's a good cry. It's a good cry. Okay. It's All a right. celebration of life. Yes. And creation and love. Mm-hmm. I have one question as part of our Greater Gotham to wrap it up. Uh, we've seen a lot of really awesome work by Ram V and um, Brandon Thomas. Ram V... Uh, writing a lot of short stories as well as Swamp Thing and Catwoman. Brandon Thomas writing a ton of short stories in um, Legends of the Dark Knight and Truth and Justice. Oh, wait, did he do Truth and... No, no, it was black and white. He did some black and white and, of course, the outsider stuff he did for Future State and Urban Legends. Um, In our perfect world, and (laughs) Ram V and Brandon Thomas got Batman and Detective, who would we want on which book? No, don't we want Brandon Thomas on... On Outsiders? You can write well, we'll more than one it. book. We'll okay. All right. Well, as long as he's doing that, <laughs> because that book has needed a good writer. I mean, James and Tynan you know is writing at least five books right now. So, And I honestly have struggled to find a Catwoman book I like. So I would be sad to see either of them leave those books, although Brandon Thomas isn't really on Outsiders. But, um, hmm, hmm. I want Priest on tech. <laughs> I don't want either of <laughs> Oh, them. man, you're killing I want, me. I want Priest I want, on tech, too. I want Priest on tech because he's so smart. I think he would tell really good detective stories. And um, um, mm, if Brandon Thomas made a family, Batman into a family book, I think I would enjoy reading that. Nothing against Rom V. I just have really enjoyed Brandon Thomas's group book writing and... That's hard to do, apparently. <laughs> so, the only way I want to see someone not name Arigo Tamaki on Detective is if, 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 if she just completely goes off the cliff and I don't see that happening. Or she just says, okay, I've done my story for Bruce in this universe and I'm, I'm out. Um and if that is the case, I'm kind of on the same boat with death. I want priest. I don't want nobody else. You guys are killing me. I want priest too, but this wasn't the question. <laughs> well, that's sorry. the answer. I'm sorry. Well, let me tell you, you are so, not wrong. Well, of course we're not. We're never wrong. Do we need we're to go wrong. back to uh, the deceased cast? <laughs> well, 
Oh, don't even start with me about Taylor. I'm so mad at him right now. I'm so mad. Stella is referring to the recently... I'm referring to... No, I'll tell him. I'll tell. I'm the one who's mad. Okay? (laughs) I'll tell. Taylor is writing an old Jonathan book, which is an atrocity. Jonathan should never have been aged up. I don't know why Tom Taylor is writing a book about it. And the number one issue has a variant cover of Baby John and Baby Damien. And it's just rubbing salt in the wound because he's not Baby John anymore. He's, what, at 17, 18 years old now? Whatever. It makes me so mad I could vomit. And it's the only reason why I'm getting issue one. It's because I want that variant cover. <laughs> it's so that pretty, variant cover too. Was, it is. If it wasn't for that variant cover, I would not be picking that book up. Uh, and, uh, so angry. Barf again for me, too. <laughs> okay, so. Wait, wait, I, I, wait, I haven't even... <sighs> oh, I thought you did. <sighs> okay, so... That story by Brandon Thomas in black and white with... Bruce and the two high schoolers, you know, taking down Mad Hatter, convinced me that Brandon Thomas needs to succeed James Tynan on Batman. Mm-hmm. And now that we're seeing that he's going to be doing Clown Hunter as a backup in Batman, only convinces me more that this is a trial run for him to take over the book. But that is... if. Back in the day, I would have said I wanted Tom Taylor to pick up Batman when all was said and done. But again, reading reading that story in black and white has convinced me that I want Brandon Thomas to succeed James Tynion on Batman, and then find a way to get Priest back on uh, Detective. <laughs> so I am in agreement with my co-hosts uh, that. Priest on Detective would be truly amazing. Ideal. Um, More than ideal. Agreed. Um, I also agree that Brandon Thomas on Batman would be uh, really good, just because he's got that sense of a really good action story, but also a really strong grasp of characters. Um, Ramvi, and this is perhaps unfair, because Catwoman is a crime book, and Swamp Thing is like a horror book. And I feel like that fits Detective a bit more than Batman. Now, maybe he could do a really excellent Batman run, but I kind of am just feeling like transitioning to Detective would make a bit more sense at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or he could just stay on Catwoman and, and... No, you can write more than one book. He can no, still write that... Catwoman. Catwoman can become a major book and DC can continue to take my money for it because... <laughs> I'm telling you, as soon as he goes off and left this some big superstar writer, I'm dropping it. But what about Tom Taylor on Catwoman? Like I say, so if Tom Taylor picks up Catwoman, I'll, he'll, he'll stay on the pull list. Unless it's an age up Selene and, and, and he's writing <laughs> it's it. It's 50 year old Selene. Oh, no! <laughs> it's it's brothel Selene from oh, gosh. Dark Knight. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So that concludes our Greater Gotham um, section for this month. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Uh, We have a kind compliment from Borvok on the Discord, just saying thanks for a good cast, and we appreciate that. Uh, We also got a really excellent email from Dr. Corey Cloth. So, Steph, would you do the honors? (laughs) 
Dear TBU crew, thank you for consistently bringing entertaining and thought-provoking discussion to every podcast. I've been listening to the podcast for several years, and when each new episode drops, I move it to the top of my list as I go from on my daily run, perform laborious yard work, or grade endless calculus homework. I've enjoyed listening to this particular group of hosts, Ian, Theo, and Steph, grow into their roles and find their voice. Ian, you have grown in your role as moderator while bringing outside literary references that enhance my understanding of each story. Theo, as someone who has been reading comics for multiple decades, I enjoy your historical reference as these new tales unfold. Steph, you bring a fresh enthusiasm with your color commentary. He's walking in the middle of the street with an RPG. Who does that? I was so mad. And now he's in the now he's in the sewers with an Oh my gosh. <laughs> The joy the three of you have talking about the Cape Crusader comes through the podcast. After mixed emotions about Tom King's run, I have been enjoying Tynion's storytelling and world building. He is able to balance revealing new characters while continuing to evolve Batman. I was wondering if you would comment on a few subjects. Number one, everything Ghostmaker does, he considers superior to Bruce, even to the point of rebuilding a faster ghost car, which tells me that at some point Maker will consider himself the better vigilante for the city. This relationship seems to head toward a violent conclusion. How do you think the Ghostmaker-Batman relationship will end? Let's take a moment to answer that question. Hmm... I would hope that Ghostmaker's quest for justice would help him not do that. I think he's worked too hard to work with Bruce to to throw that away. I would hope. So whereas I can totally see and would believe it if they came to loggerheads, I really hope they don't. I hope that it's either a mutual parting or that he decides Gotham sucks and he wants to go somewhere else that's more of a challenge or something. I don't know. Um, but I, I I hope their camaraderie remains. Yeah, keep hoping on that one. No, those, <laughs> those two are going to come to blows at some point. Again, just the the breadcrumbs are just all over the place. Even if you go to that wraparound cover when uh, 106 came out, and where was Ghostmaker? He was hanging with the uh, he was hanging with the rogues. No, th- those two are gonna come to blows, and and it. I don't know if it's gonna be with the whole you know I'm better for Gotham than you are, you know, because he kind of tried that already in that initial story arc. But yeah, th- those two are going to come to blows again. And, and either someone's going to take Ghostmaker out or he's, he's going to get his butt handed to him and he's going to finally leave uh, the superior student alone. I can see three ways this could go. I think Steph's uh, hope for um, Ghostmaker leaving peacefully. I mean, I think it's fair to say we all think Ghostmaker's going to have to leave at some point. The question is how. Uh, one is Steph's hope that it'll be a peaceful leaving, that they both end up as friends and mutually part <laughs> ways. I think that's probably least likely, unfortunately. I think another one is they come to blows and somehow, uh, probably because they face a bigger threat, Ghostmaker gives his life and he dies, saving Batman. And of course, this being a comic book, he can always come back, but um, that's one chance. I think 
for my money, we're probably going to see something like um, what happened to Tim Drake at the end of Titan's Detective Comics, where Tim becomes a major antagonist, but Batman is able to get through with the power of friendship and convince him that he knows a better way and Ghostmaker will depart changed after a major conflict. That's what I think is most likely just because this is Tynan and he's done that kind of story in the past. And it does sort of feel like that's what he's setting up. So what is your second option now? Uh, so first option <laughs> is they part friends. Uh, second option is he dies. Yeah. And third yeah. option is. Um, I'm, I'm there. Second option. <laughs> oh, you the fire pit. <laughs> yep. yep. Let, let him go the way of Uncle Ben. Once did. <laughs> They did. No, he's going to go the way of Jason Todd. Oh, God. <laughs> Number two. You have mentioned in the past few episodes that you consider Scarecrow a B-rated villain. Yet Tynion has made him an integral part of the current storyline, instilling fear into Gotham without using any toxin, as noted by Oracle in the latest issue. I find Scarecrow a compelling villain considering the events of the last year and a half. Fear of going to work, fear of going to school, fear of shaking your neighbor's hand. Ooh, good point. Batman instills fear without using chemicals. Scarecrow is trying to do the same. As he has success, doesn't this make him a more formidable foe or a more interesting character and raise him to the pantheon of the rogues gallery? I see endless possibilities within his character. I don't think a bee villain makes him bad. Like, I even think that if stepping back from using toxins lowers his tierness <laughs> because he isn't as... Um, physically a threat i don't know i don't know what makes it top tier i think it just means popular right <laughs> i mean if more people liked polka dots maybe polka dot man would be a top tier villain i don't know but um i don't not enjoy b b villains in fact i think because they're moderately underused they're a little more enjoyable because they're a breath of fresh air and i don't think i don't even think scarecrow counts as that he shows up every time they need dick to be afraid of something <laughs> so i don't know i don't know if i'd call him a b villain but i don't know if he i don't know i don't know how to answer this question i don't know how to rate villains i think that's a good i think that's a lot of good thoughts i, I will give Corey credit for this question because it is very thought provoking because yeah i i do consider scarecrow to be b rated um, compared to you know, and I still have I still have Joker Bane and perhaps Harvey as those top tier. I had Roz and Roz, yeah. Uh, with with Freeze, maybe Riddler, uh, definitely Riddler, actually. Um, Scarecrow, Penguin as those B level. But just because you're 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 not an A level doesn't mean you're a bad. Well, it does mean you're bad, but it doesn't mean you're a bad villain to use. You're not a blue master, in other words, or, 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 or even a fun villain to use. You know, see Kite Man, for example. You know how popular he became because of just two words. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. But hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah! But to answer Corey's question, if anything, I would 
if I was evaluating and deciding whether or not to raise a level, lower level, or keep the same, you know, A, B, or C, the notion that Crane is doing what he's doing without using his main weapon, which has always been the fear toxin, allows the reader to see a new side of him in his psychology that could possibly, you know, move him up a level because he is doing some hellified mind games with Gotham right now. And the fact that he's not using fear toxin, you you have to give him credit for that. So if I was grading it, good doctor, yeah, I would I would be inclined. But since I'm not, he's gonna stay at the B. I I actually think that Scarecrow can often drop to the C list, um, partly because he's not super ambitious. He really likes to make people afraid. He's not a grand destroyer, uh, like the Joker, and he's not someone who has such an intimate tie to Bruce's life like Harvey or Roz. And Roz, of course, also has the grand design of his plan for the world. World domination! And he's not Bane, who's sort of like a physical and mental equal to Batman, or at least that's sort of his claim to the to the A-list. Um, Scarecrow's goals, like Mr. Freeze's goals, are just more limited, and so he's not quite as flexible. Um, I do think that Tynan is increasing his status, and I would say he's bumping him up from C to B. Um, we'll have to see what he does in the end. Um, it, it really depends on what his goal is. If his goal is basically just chaos, I'm not convinced that it would make him an A-list villain because he hasn't quite distinguished himself enough from joker because joker does less common chaos but he also has so many interesting thematic qualities crane is evil but he's not the embodiment of evil like joker is so i i i think that this is a good elevation of the character i'm just not sure it would be an elevation to the to the very top tier well let me ask this just as a follow-up because could you see Mr. Word perhaps supplanting if, if if we're looking at tears? Could you see the just everything about Mr. Word? You know, he's very formidable. You know, he's huge. He's physically, I mean, for for old dad. You know, he hell, he's jumping into sewers. He's carrying around rocket. RPGs and you know he's giving Batman the business. Could you see someone like a Mister Work supplanting the planning Crane in the Rogues Gallery? Because I'm I'm loving I'm loving how Tamaki's writing him right now. I don't know if I'd say surplant. I don't. I think there's enough room for everybody at Arkham. There's enough room for everybody. So I don't think he'd have to supplant him, especially since he's a completely different kind of fear instiller. Crane uses chemicals, whereas Worth just exists and has an RPG for no reason um, to instill fear. And is just bigger than you and could squish your head like a bug. Um, I don't think he would supplant him. I think they could be friends together on the at the Arkham Christmas parties. It'd be fine. I think that's a really good question. I... Um... 
I would tend to agree with Steph. I think that right now, Mr. Worth doesn't have quite a connection to Bruce other than being, uh, you know, part of Gotham's elite, but we already have that represented in Penguin in terms of Gotham's elite. Yeah. Um, but he's more mob bossy. Right. But I, I have a feeling that Worth is headed down the mob boss route. He's like a one man mob boss. <laughs> or a one, he's man a one man mob. Mob. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that Scarecrow has this unique psychological aspect that makes him uh, more useful to Batman than necessarily uh, Mr. Worth. So I don't see Mr. Worth supplanting him, but I do see him joining him. All right, let's wrap this letter up. Thank you again for the invaluable entertainment you provide every two weeks. Regards, Dr. Corey Cloth. Well, thank you, um, Corey. That was a really excellent letter. Very uh, we appreciate the compliments, and the questions are really thought-provoking. So that was really excellent. I want to, again, remind our listeners that we have uh, affiliate links through which you can buy nerdy and Batman-related stuff. And we also have our Patreon. Um, our Batfan Appreciation Wall currently lists Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Ian Miller, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grout, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Krause, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Cesar Diaz. Thank you all for supporting us. You help us keep the lights on and continue bringing you the Batman Universe comic podcast feedback. I want to give a special thanks to Corey again for the feedback and everyone who's participated in the Discord. It's been a really awesome uh, couple of weeks for conversation about all kinds of things from Marvel to what's happening in the Bat family. And I look forward to talking to you all there. Um, until next time, I've been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next time. Uh, this is written by James the IV. Illustrated by Gia March and colored, of course, by, um, actually, I don't know who's covering it.